I want to have a word of prayer before we go to the Word together in just a moment. But before I do, I want to encourage you to return tonight. Tonight we're going to have a, a special study, kind of springboarding from First John because of John's challenge to false teachers in First John that we see throughout. I want to help you from God's Word learn how to recognize false religions and cults. You need to know how from God's Word to, to be able to recognize false religions and cults, and I want to do that from the Scriptures. Uh, one quote stands out in my mind from uh, Charles Spurgeon who said, if you want to know what a, a straight stick is, you don't get a crooked stick out and argue about whether it's straight or not. You get out the straight stick and you lay it beside the crooked one. And I want to get the straight stick of the Word tonight, okay? And we're going to go there to learn how to recognize false religions and cults and you know, I think that will be a helpful study to you um, because there are many, many that abound in the world in which we live today that are not teaching the truths of God's Word and claim to be true religion, a true way to God, and you need to know the truth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning thankful for your Word, grateful for your Word. I pray that that would be so true of us that we couldn't help but hunger and thirst for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would create in us this morning a hunger and thirst for your word as you give it to us. Lord, take your word and use it in our hearts and minds, conforming our thinking. Take the double-edged sword of the word and use it in, uh, in my feeble hands, Lord, for your glory. Lord, use your word to bring glory about to you in the way that we live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I've got a question for you that at first at first hearing you might go, well, that's kind of a dumb question. Maybe not. Maybe not. Do you believe that Jesus is God? <laughs> See, I told you you might think that that was a dumb question, right? What? You know. Do you believe that Jesus is God? On December 20th, 2006, the Washington Post published many, several brief articles from leading religious leaders and scholars from academia in response to that, a question like that, not that question, but this question. This was the question they asked, and the articles they got in response were varied, were all over the map. Here's the question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? They didn't ask if Jesus was God. They asked if Jesus Christ was the Son of God. And among the responses, I read many of them, some from individuals I recognized as being godly men. One of them, Al Mohler, wrote an article. It was very very biblical and and correct. One, uh, Cal Thomas wrote, the commentator Cal, Cal Thomas of those in agreement with God's Word and others in agreement with God's Word. But there were many that were far from what God's Word says about Jesus Christ. One atheist wrote that Jesus was a historical figure. Take away all the supernatural tales in the Gospels, and what you have is a complicated man, undoubtedly a charismatic speaker whose ideas about how human beings ought to treat one another provide a basis for a decent life and an ethical society. So to the a person who is an atheist who wrote their article in response to that question, Jesus was a good man who brought good to society and encouraged people to live good lives, right? To summarize... 
One Muslim states that Jesus was not God, but was a prophet among other prophets who was God's servant. Not, ju- not, not just the prophet, he was a prophet among many other prophets who did good things and did God's work and served God. Not God himself, though. A Jewish rabbi says this about Jesus. I do not believe Jesus was the Son of God. As a Jew, I do not believe in the divinity of Jesus or indeed in much about him, except that he was an extremely talented teacher in the Galilean tradition who probably developed a school of speech and a parable beyond what anyone else had achieved by that stage. So if you're this Jewish rabbi, you're basically saying Jesus was a pretty good storyteller. Now, you will certainly hear broad and varying opinions when you ask a question like, do you believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God? But I ask another question. Was Jesus Christ God? Is Jesus Christ God? And as believers in Jesus Christ, the answer to that question is the foundation for all of our faith. And we can't afford to be confused about the answer to that question. We can't afford to be confused by those who have such foggy notions about who Jesus is. Thankfully, the final authority, the first and final authority for us, I hope you are holding in your hands this morning. Would you get your copy of God's Word? The first and final authority for us we are going to go to this morning, and it is God's Word, and thankfully we have God's Word. And we can go there for the answers about who Jesus is. Our study today is going to take us further than the question, is Jesus the Son of God? And we're going to go to 1 John this morning, where we began a few weeks ago in this new series of studies. Unless you think that we were going to hop, skip, and jump through 1 John 10 verses at a time like we started out last week, I I burst your bubble and go back to verse 1 this morning. 1 John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 4. Because the, the, the things that we find in 1 John are rich and plentiful, and we dare not speed through them, I come back to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 this morning. And what we see in God's Word today is going to reveal something even more profound and foundational to our faith in Jesus Christ than anything any of those learned scholars could tell us about Jesus. Follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read the first four verses of 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus God? Is Jesus the Son of God? 
And these are not new questions, mind you. As a matter of fact, Jesus Himself asked questions like this. Keep your finger in 1 John and let's go back to the beginning of the New Testament to the book of Matthew in chapter 16. I want you to see the questions that Jesus asked about who people were saying He is. Jesus asked questions like this in Matthew chapter 16. And let's look at verses 13 through 16 for a moment. We're going to see that Jesus asked not only what others believed about who He was, but also asked His disciples what they believed. And I think it's a good question we ask ourselves. Who do you say Jesus is? Look at what Jesus Himself said. Matthew 16, verses 13 through 16. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. In verse 15, He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now I want you to note with that verse, verse 16, Simon Peter's reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Note that Peter's reply to Christ that Jesus is the Son of the living God is foundational to the Christian faith. And how we answer that question, who do you say Jesus is, is very important for reasons we're going to touch on this morning. But first, let's go back to our passage in 1 John because John gives an even more detailed explanation of who Jesus is there. Now, who did John say Christ is? Who did John say Jesus Christ is? First, I want you to note with me that John proclaimed the incarnation. That is, that John proclaimed that Jesus Christ was God revealed to mankind in human flesh, fully God, fully man. That's what we mean when we talk about the incarnation. And John proclaims the incarnation. But not all believed that. Not all believed in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Christ coming, fully God, fully man. And obviously not all believe that today, right? And that's why it's important for us that as followers of Christ, we be clear on this. And that's why John wrote what we read in these first four verses of 1 John. And I want you to know with me this morning that there there were those who were claiming falsely that Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh. They were teaching either that Christ was not human, He was merely a spirit, He just looked human, He appeared to be human, or that He was not God in human flesh. He was was flesh and blood, but He was not God. He did not have God's Spirit. And if Jesus, let me just tell you that if Jesus was not human or He was not God, people were being led to believe that Christ was not the revelation of God, come in human flesh, which was capable of taking the punishment for their sins, and, and your sins and my sins, And people were being led to believe that Jesus was not able to save sinners by dying for their sins. And so in 1 John, we see see John confronting these false teachers again and again with the truths of Jesus Christ. And he does so with a clear proclamation that Christ came in the flesh and He did die for our sins and that eternal life is for those who believe in Jesus Christ. So in 1 John, we find John confronting this false teaching and this clear proclamation that Christ came in the flesh and that He did die for our sins. 
And John begins here in verses 1 and 2 in 1 John, and he begins by proclaiming the deity of Christ. That Christ is God in human flesh. And it is foundational to the Christian faith that Jesus is fully God. So how does John declare the deity of Christ? There are four ways he declares the deity of Christ in our passage. And the first is that he declares Jesus to have been from the beginning. Look at it, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, that which was from the beginning. Do you ever stop and ask, when was the beginning? I don't know, okay? We don't know. We don't know when the beginning was, but I'll tell you what makes all the difference in the world to me, and it ought to make all the difference in the world to you. Not that you don't know when the beginning was, but that you do know this, that Jesus Christ was there. Okay? Jesus Christ was there in the beginning. We do know that Jesus was there. Jesus has existed from all of eternity. And there was never a time when God the Son did not exist. Colossians 1 verse 18 says of Jesus that He is the beginning. John chapter 1, not 1 John, but John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1 verse 1 states that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We're talking about Jesus Christ. The word here is speaking of Jesus. Even in the Old Testament, in the prophecy of Isaiah, in chapter 9 and verse 6 of Isaiah, prophesying of Jesus Christ, he declared Jesus Christ to be the mighty God and everlasting Father. And in Jesus' own words, in his prayer seen in John chapter 17, verse 5, he declares himself to have been in God the Father's presence before the world existed. That's number one. John declares the deity of Christ because he was there in the beginning. He was from the beginning. The second way John declares the deity of Christ is with his with this phrase in verse 1, the word of life. Do you see it? This phrase, the word of life. John describes Jesus as the word of life. And that fits well with John's statement that I just noted in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It also goes very well with John's statement in in John chapter 1, verse 4. John declares that in him was life. Meaning that all of creation exists because... It it obtains life from Jesus. And so John declares the deity of Jesus Christ in the the words that he says, he is the word of life. The third way John declares the deity of Jesus is with the statement in verse 2, the eternal life. Not just life, but he's the eternal life. Verse 2 again, look at it with me. 1 John 1 verse 2. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. Now, in John's words, in John chapter 11, back in the Gospel of John chapter 11, in verses 25 and 26, he reminds us 
that Jesus said, actually Jesus' words, not John's words, but back in John chapter 11, in Jesus' words, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's eternal life. Okay? So Jesus is eternal life. Also in Jesus' words, John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again from Jesus' prayer in John 17, verses 1 through 3. Listen to John 17, verses 1 through 3. In Jesus' prayer when he prayed, Jesus had spoken these words. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Jesus' prayer, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus Christ is, say it with me, eternal life. Jesus Christ is eternal life. And then John says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And so, John declares the deity of Jesus Christ in proclaiming that He is eternal life. The fourth way John declares the deity of Jesus is by saying that He was... With the Father. With the Father. John says of this eternal life, Jesus Christ, that He was with the Father. Again, there's a similar reference that John makes in John chapter 17 and verse 5, which we've noted already. It says, And now, Father, glorify Me in Your presence with the glory that I had with You. Before the world existed, He was with the Father. The deity of Jesus can be seen in the fact that He was with the Father from the beginning, from before the creation of the world. And that's why John can say in John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Word was with God. And in John chapter 1 verse 14, the Word becomes flesh, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. It is foundational to our faith that we understand that Jesus Christ is God. And John makes that very clear with those four statements. It's also foundational to the Christian faith that Jesus Christ was fully man. Fully man. And so John also declares the humanity of of Jesus. He declares the deity of Jesus. He also declares the humanity of Jesus. And there are also four ways that he declares the humanity of Christ in our passage. He declares Christ's humanity first by testifying that he and others had heard him, had heard him through the ear gate, right? 1 John chapter 1 verse 1. Look at it again. That which was from the beginning which we have heard. 
he, John, and others had actually listened to Jesus. And when they did, they were listening to God. Second, John testifies to the humanity of Christ by saying that, in verse 1, we looked upon, we looked upon through the eye gate, through the ear gate, they heard Him, they have seen Him. In the Greek, the word looked means to gaze intensely upon. And in verse 2, we have seen. So they saw Jesus with their own eyes, and it wasn't just in passing. It wasn't like, oh, look, there goes Jesus. No, it was they, they were in His presence They were watching Him. They looked upon Him. They gazed upon Him intently. And they watched Jesus closely. And by looking upon Him, they realized that He was God in human flesh. Third, John says in verse 1, we have touched Him with these hands, with our hands. There was more going on here than just merely listening and watching. They were up close and personal. They touched Jesus. And when they did, you know what? They had touched God. And the fourth way that John declares Christ's humanity is by testifying to it. By, by, by being a witness to it. By testifying to it. By using His mouth. And others were using their mouths to tell what they had seen. We have seen, we've heard, we've touched. And verse 2, he says, we testify to it and proclaim to you. They were eyewitnesses to the humanity of Jesus Christ. He was real human flesh and blood. He ate. He breathed. He got tired. He walked and talked. He shed tears. He mourned. He rejoiced. He celebrated. And John and others did what good eyewitnesses do and testified to the truth that they witnessed. And just as those witnesses spoken of in Acts chapter 10 did, speaking of Jesus' appearance after His resurrection in Acts chapter 10 verse 41, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. He was God in human flesh. And there were witnesses who proclaimed the truth of what they had seen and heard and experienced when they touched Him. Now, why did John proclaim the deity and the humanity of Christ? What is His purpose in doing this? We've already noted, I've told you before in our previous studies and our overview of 1 John a couple of weeks ago, and then this morning I reminded you that, that John, taking on false teachers here in, in, in one of his purposes, not, not the only purpose, but one of his purposes here in 1 John is to take on false teaching and to tell people what the truth is so they won't be led astray. But there's a couple of reasons for this proclamation of the deity and the humanity of Christ seen in our passage this morning. And the first reason that John states in verse 3, it's in verse 3, but I want you to back up to verse 2 again for a moment. Look at verse 2 one more time and then verse 3. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Verse 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you. And then here's a reason he's telling us. So that... 
you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. John says, we're testifying to these things, we're proclaiming these things, so that you may too also have fellowship with us, and with the Son, and with the Father. Now, to have fellowship is the, the fellowship, we get our word fellowship in the Greek, the word is koinonia, and koinonia means to have something in common. And for the believer in Jesus Christ, to have something in common is to have fellowship, to have true fellowship. We've got to have something in common. And that thing that, that believers must have in common is faith in, belief in, a trust in, and dependence on Jesus Christ. If we are to have true fellowship, we must be followers of Jesus Christ, and that faith must be founded on our faith and belief in, trust in, and dependence on Jesus Christ. That's how we have true koinonia. Now we call our fellowship times, the ones that we have about monthly on a Sunday evening, we call that a koinonia. And and the idea is not that that is what true fellowship is, is when we get together and have food. Please don't stop doing that, though. That's always a good thing. When you bring food, we enjoy that. And we sit around and we talk, right? We enjoy one another's company. But that should just spark true koinonia. That should just help get real koinonia going. And I'll help you understand what real koinonia is. As we noted a couple of weeks ago in our overview of 1 John, those who don't believe in Jesus Christ cannot have fellowship with Him or the Father. And when there's no fellowship with God the Father and God the Son, there is no fellowship with those who are God's children. And the fellowship with one another who are believers in and followers of Jesus Christ goes far beyond merely meeting together for food and light conversation. It goes far beyond just a meal and a chat. Real fellowship for the believer in Jesus Christ means that when we meet with one another, we speak of, and and our speech is founded in, the things of the Lord. And we speak of the things of Christ, and we speak the things of God's Word. Not just to sit around and and spout off mere platitudes and, and memorized passages of Scripture from God's Word. That's not what I'm saying. We are to speak of the things of the Lord and we are to speak of His Word in ways that build one another up and even, if necessary, admonish and help correct one another and encourage one another and give hope to one another because of what we know God's Word says. And that is true fellowship. That is true koinonia. We speak of the things of the Lord and His Word and we use the Word and the work of the Lord to encourage one another and build one another up and hold one another accountable. That's koinonia. And so let our koinonia times, our fellowship times, spark that to get that going. Let our other fellowship times, our other times of fellowship, as we come and go in our worship times, let those spark and get going. Real, true koinonia, true fellowship. See, my desire for God's people is that we would go beyond surface fellowship. You know, how you doing? What's up? How's it going? And maybe, you know, can I pray for you about that? You know, I'll pray for you about that, and maybe we will, and maybe we won't. And to go deeper than that, and to get very serious and intentional in our relationships in the body of Christ, the church, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, my desire for God's people is that we would go beyond those surface fellowship into a deeper 
fellowship, the things of the Lord that, that represent what true koinonia is. And let me just give you a couple of examples that might challenge you. When was the last time in your conversation with one another, specifically two believers speaking together, when was the last time in your conversation with another believer when one of you started speaking of another believer in a way that was less than Christ-honoring? And the other one of you gently reminded the other that, you know, we ought to pray for that person and we ought to do what we can to encourage them. Doing all in your power to build that person up in the Lord instead of tearing them down. Let me give you another example. When was the last time that you were with another believer and one of you was complaining about the circumstances in your life? And the other one of you (laughs) reminded the complainer that all things are under God's providential hand. That all things work together for good. When did you redirect the thinking of that complainer toward the providence of God in all things? When did you encourage the complainer to trust in God? When did you encourage the complainer to put their dependence upon God? When did you offer your help and assistance in helping that person to stop complaining? And when was the last time you offered to pray with the complaining believer over the difficulties instead of complaining with them? Is that painful? It's convicting to me. That's true Christian fellowship. I'm not saying that we don't complain. I'm saying that we don't we don't participate. <laughs> we need to help, encourage, hold one another accountable, build one another up, use God's word and the things of God's word to help encourage and direct thinking and direct living. I use those two examples because those are the kinds of conversations that we find ourselves in very easily and very often, myself included. And John says, you need to know who Jesus is, fully man, fully God, God in human flesh, come to take the penalty for your sin and mine. You need to know who Jesus is, so that you can have true fellowship with Jesus and with the Father and with brothers and sisters in Christ. That's koinonia. And the second reason for his proclamation of the complete deity and the complete humanity of Christ is this. Look with me at verse 4. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John proclaims the complete deity and humanity of Christ to make their joy and our joy complete. Now you might be thinking, well, how can the full deity and humanity of Christ bring complete joy? I'm puzzled. You need to know this, that those who do not know Christ, those who do not have fellowship with the Father and with the Son, And those who do not have fellowship with other believers in Jesus Christ. Those who do not believe that Jesus Christ came in the flesh to be the sacrifice for their sins and that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, right? Conquered sin and death and hell and lives today. Those who do not believe that have absolutely no foundation for joy and hope. 
those who do not believe in Jesus Christ will not know true or complete joy because without faith in Christ there is no hope and there is no real joy. And so if you're not getting the challenge already, let me make it even more direct. If you don't know Christ today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never reached a point in your life when it dawned on you that you really are a sinner and you can't do anything to please God yourself, and you realize that Jesus Christ died for your sin, and you confess to God, God, I am a sinner, and you pray to God, even silently, God, save me from my sin. I believe that Jesus died for me to save me from my sin. Jesus, save me. If you've never done that, I urge you to do that today. You will not know true and complete joy. You will not have fellowship with the Father or with the Son or with other believers until you repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. For those of us who are followers of Christ, this is our challenge today. Trust in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's not just a one-time trust. I believe in Jesus Christ. I trust in Him so He'll save me. Trust. It's a complete dependence day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, depending, trusting on God. Trust in Jesus Christ. Fully God. Fully man. Believe the factual evidence testified to by John and by others that Jesus is fully God and fully man, and that Jesus was the complete and acceptable sacrifice for your sins and for my sins, and believe that Jesus saves you from the penalty of your sins. Trust Christ. Keep trusting Christ. Don't stop trusting Christ. You need to daily, often we need to remind ourselves, wait a minute, wait a minute, Jesus is in control of this. He's allowing me to go through this so that I would bring Him glory in the way that I respond in this situation. So, Jesus, help me, because I can't do this without You. Am I the only one that does that? We do that, don't we? I hope you do that. I hope you daily go before the Lord. God, I can't handle this. This is beyond me. That's why I know You've given me Your Holy Spirit to help me. And so I'm thankful that I'm not alone. And I trust you, Jesus. I trust you. Trust Jesus Christ. Daily. And then have fellowship with the Father. Get into God's Word. Saturate your heart and soul and mind with God's Word. Get, get the book that He gave you, that He has given to us as a gift, as a treasure, and love it as such, and read it, and let... The thinking of God, saturate your thinking and change your thinking. Have fellowship with God and then go before Him in prayer and yield before Him frequently throughout your day, yielding before God in prayer, asking for His wisdom, asking for Him to unleash the truth of His Word with the power of His Holy Spirit to help you understand how it is you are to live. Have fellowship with the Father and the Son and then don't stop there. Have fellowship with one another. Strike up fellowship with other believers that will help and encourage and build up and hold accountable to the things of the Lord so that we are growing day by day more and more Christ-like. But don't stop there. John says in verse 2, Jesus Christ is the life that was made known 
He was made known. And in verse 3, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus is eternal life. This is an astounding statement, an amazing truth. Do not keep it to yourself. Jesus is eternal life. John says in verse 1, Jesus is the word of life. So don't keep Jesus Christ to yourself. Proclaim the word of life. Proclaim Jesus Christ to others. Trust in Jesus. Have fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with other believers. And proclaim Jesus Christ. Tell others about Jesus Christ. Do it with your life. Do it with your attitude. Do it with your response to difficulties and challenges and all the opportunities that God gives you to bring glory to Him. Proclaim Jesus Christ. Proclaim the Word of life. Trust in Him. Depend upon Him. Do so daily, trusting, depending, trusting, depending. And then yield before Him and have fellowship with Him and have fellowship with one another. And leave this place to proclaim the truth in this world that really doesn't have a good answer to who Jesus is. Pray with me this morning. Our Father in heaven, how thankful we are that we can come before you this morning as we are, being reminded of the powerful and wonderful, miraculous truths of Jesus Christ and His deity and His humanity and His ability to save us from our sins for all of eternity. What precious truths these are. Lord, I pray, asking for the power of the Holy Spirit in Your people to help us to fully trust in you day by day to depend upon the working power through the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ in our lives every day to live for you, to face the challenges that you allow us to go through, that you allow to come our way, to face the difficulties that we we know that we're going to face. We may be in the midst of them already. So Lord, help us to trust in you, to give us the wisdom from your word through the working of Your Holy Spirit, revealing those truths to us that we know from Your Word. Lord, give us Your hope, Your strength, Your courage. And then, Lord, I pray that You would help us to know what true fellowship is, true joy, true peace and communion with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And, Lord, I pray that we would truly know what fellowship is with other believers, true koinonia, when we begin to build one another up in the faith, Build one another up in the hope of Jesus Christ, in complete dependence upon Him, in complete adherence to Your Word. Oh Lord, grow us. Grow us. Help us to be a people who bring great glory to You in and through this church, in through our lives, in this community, so that we might leave this place, go into the world, into the work that we have this week, into the into the school situations, into the work situations, into the business opportunities that we have to live for you 
to make decisions that glorify you, informed by your word, and tell others about Jesus with those things that we do in the way that we live and the words that we use and the words that we proclaim. Use us, Lord. Help us to yield before you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.